I have to tell you that I knew this day would come, that this morning would be here. And I was preparing for it. I was prepared mentally. But then life kind of happened the last week to ten days. See, I, I knew that I was going to be speaking about anxiety and worry. I had the text. But I didn't know what life was going to do. I didn't realize that a little over a week ago, friends would ask me to do a funeral service. And I felt the anxiety that comes along with having that responsibility. But in God's gracious providence, he allowed things to go well. The family was comfort. He was given honor and glory in the truth of his gospel message. And I truly believe that his hand was at work. And that should have lifted my spirit. Anxiety was behind me. Even in the midst of how I saw things work as today was coming to come about, what I had chosen as one of the verses to comfort the family would be out of the very psalm that we would use this morning. And I'd like to read just part of it because it not only comforted a family, but it should have been speaking to me about my responsibilities coming up. Because it says the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cries and saves them. And it goes on and on, reassuring us that God is always there. But then, in the busyness of life, in this part-time job that I have that takes me out to the farm during the week, and I'm thinking that I'm kind of limited on my time, I started to get anxious again. And the very message that I was trying to prepare was what was speaking to me. And what I want to do today is to share that with you so that you understand, that I understand, that anxiety, worry is real, but God deals with it very matter-of-factly. My question to you this morning is, If I ask you the question, what are some reasons not to be anxious, what would the answer be? Well, I guess first of all, let's define being anxious. Afraid or nervous about what may happen. A feeling of anxiety. Anxious meaning a wanting or an eager to do something or have something. To be worried So what were some of the answers that maybe came to your mind about what are the reasons not to be anxious? These are things that I've heard before. It doesn't help anything. It causes wrinkles. The Bible says not to. It is not part of my nature or it's sin. Those are answers that individuals might come up with, but today I want us to look at God's word and see what Jesus gives us as the reasons to not be anxious. 
So if you have a copy of God's word, I would ask if you would turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Follow along as I read from God's word. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will, be, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory has not, was, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day is its own trouble. Now, I, before we start to actually look at what Jesus talks about in anxious and being uh, and thinking and worrying, I want us to look back to the beginning of this scripture where it says, There I tell you. Therefore, I tell you. If we know much about God's word, when we see those therefores, that's a connecting from something past to what's going on now. And I really can't just read it and let it go. I think it really gives us an understanding of what we will be speaking about as we look at anxiety. What it takes us back to is the previous verses, and we are called to thought before action. The past verses call us to thought. What we're going to look to causes us to take action. And what were we told to take thought about? Well, really three things. The first one is, we want to accumulate treasures. Which treasures do we want to accumulate? In this life or the next? If you want treasures in this life, they're not going to last very long. But those that we gather in the next life will last forever. The other thing we're thought to think about, told to think about, is we want to be purposeful in our in our movements, direct movements. What gives us the ability to do that? Our eye. And where is our eye to look? In light or in dark? Think about it. Which one do you choose? Do you want to walk in the light or do you want to walk in the darkness? 
And the third thing is, who is best to serve? Who is your master going to be? Think about it. You have two choices. You can either serve God or you can serve money. So what we see is what the author is trying to do, which is Jesus himself, is for us to understand that we can look at things that are either corruptible or incorruptible. We can things, think of things that are only for a time or those that are for an eternity. So now we're warmed up. We're starting to think. So where does this action take us? Well, it starts right off and it says, Do not be anxious. And in the midst of this, I want to go through and show us Jesus' eight reasons not to be anxious. Very simple. We're going to go through the scripture and see the eight things that Jesus tells us not to be anxious about. How to confront it. How to deal with it. How to truly look at what life is. The first one is in verse 25. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. I read the scripture again. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Well, we all realize that we have this physical need for nourishment. And we also realize that we need clothing, we need an ability to stay warm for modesty, So the point is not that these things won't happen, but really, what is life about? It has to be about something much greater than that. And it says, is not life more than food and drink, more than clothing? So what does it say? The bottom line is defense against anxiety. Christ is saying, this body means nothing compared to the life of immorality. Immortality. Jesus phrased it in Luke 12, verse 4. Do not fear those who kill the body, that they have nothing more that they can do to you. We can lose this life. We may not have food or clothing. It is not of an importance next to what our life will be for an eternity. Focus on the important part of this life. Don't be anxious about the rest. The second thing, Jesus' reason not to be anxious. Remember how valuable you are. Like the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they There's two great truths here about God's sovereignty. The first one is that God in his providence and how he created all that there is has cared for every living creature that there is, even the birds. He gives them the ability to go gather and to eat. It might be from the seeds. It might be from insects, worms, whatever that might be. But always, in his providence, it's there that they can have what they need for this life. 
God didn't just set this world in motion and let it be. He is continually in charge of all that there is. See, we don't need to help the birds by feeding them and bringing them in, even though I found that to be quite a pleasurable thing. But I think it's very selfish. All we're doing is using food so we can get the enjoyment out of looking at their beauty and to see what they're like and to have a glimpse into what nature is. But God has taken all of that and equipped them. But also we might have to see something else. If God takes this much care in taking care of birds and the animals that he has created, how much more does he love us? When he created us, we are the one that he said about, and it was very good. We are the creation, the only one that he has allowed to have a spirit, that when we have a regenerated heart, that he has allowed the truth of who he is into our hearts, that we give honor and praise to him. If he takes care of the birds, why would we be anxious about knowing whether he's going to take care of us when he holds us much dearer than anything else? The third thing. Anxiety accomplishes nothing. And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? That's the ESV, English Standard Version translation. I'd like to go to the New King James for my illustration. In that one it says, Which of you, by worrying, could add one cubit to his stature? Now, does that kind of add up to you? You're talking about a cubit, which is a a measurement of length. We think about 18 inches. And add to our stature, our our physicalness, our our size, our, our, our spread of time. The only thing that I can think of to, to justify that thought is I use my life in comparison to a tape measure. Now, I tried to look it up to see what the average age of a, a, a man in the United States is right now, and, and I have to say that I didn't get uh, a concisive answer, but, but let me just say... 75 is the number that I'm going to work with. And you take and open up that tape measure and you bring your present age. And for me, that's 63 years. And then I go up to 75. And all of this is hanging out here. And that's behind me. And this is what I have left. And then God's word says, can worrying add another 18 inches onto that and take it out? Absolutely not. It's all foolishness. Why worry about it? That's what Jesus is saying. Worry will get us nowhere. So why participate in it? Number four. The grass and the lilies that God clothes uh, last for a day, but you are eternal. Eternal. 
And we see this in verses 28 through 30. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now this is almost the same as talking about the birds, but it's a little bit different. What we have to understand here is that against most amazing truth is, uh, is the truth that Jesus virtually takes for granted God's sovereignty rule over the world of nature extends to extreme, uh, seemingly insignificant color of the lilies and of all the things, all the plants. Jesus sees and looks at them and sees their great beauty. We can do that. The same as what I imagined and said about the birds. But they mean nothing because how long do they last? Days? One season? What do we do with some of them? Burn them up? But of what value are we? We're in eternity. We have the ability through his redemptive work to spend a whole eternity in his presence. So which one is more valuable? Those plants that may show such great beauty for a day or two or a season? or us, as the one that can spend an eternity with him. And Jesus ends this little statement by a reminder, you of little faith. It isn't about having more faith, it's having more trust in God in every aspect of our life. To be able to understand that when we allow him to reign as Lord of our life, In every detail, we will understand that nothing can separate us from his love. We don't have to be anxious about our future. It has been paid by the price of Christ's own blood. It is assured. Number five, anxiety is worldly. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these. Why shouldn't we be anxious? Jesus says, that's what the world does. That's how they cope with things around them. And you are separated from them. We may live in the world, we are not of the world. We have been brought out of that darkness and we no longer should take on the same values and the same thoughts as what the world has. I know that that sounds real easy, but in practice that can still be hard because we can see so many examples sometimes because of those that are in the world, how they might succeed but there again is it for a time and a season or is it for eternity when we trust in the Lord it's forever our eternity is secure 
Do not be like those that do not believe. Number six. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. And your heavenly Father knows what you, what you need of them all. If we understand exactly what this says, the two key, key words in there that we should realize and understand that there should be no anxiety in our lives because who made us? Our heavenly Father. Who designed us? Who gave us a spirit and made us in his image? Our heavenly Father. Those two words together should give us great comfort. Take them apart and we understand heavenly meaning one way past this realm of just this earth, is in charge. He is the God of the whole universe. And our Father, how more loving can anyone be than to show the love to us that a Father would? He is the one that nurtures us. He is the one that truly wants to have a relationship with us. He is the one that we should cry out to, Abba, Father. Even if we don't have the past experience of an earthly father being that in our life, he is our father, is the one that truly does love us. Number seven, God will supply everything you need to do his will and his righteousness. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God will supply us with all that we need if we truly are willing to do his work. The Bible speaks and tells us that over and over and over again. This morning in the Sunday school class that I'm leading, we were speaking about being disciples and always growing in our walk with the Lord if we truly seek to be a disciple and to be the one that God uses as the instrument of his powerful message in the gospel, every opportunity, every time that we can witness, the Holy Spirit will lead and direct us. We will be doing his kingdom work in his strength. But unfortunately, sometimes we as individuals try to limit ourselves onto what we can do in our own strength. And so when opportunity and uh, times come about where we can be used in God's service, we reluctantly say, no, I, I don't think I'm equipped to do that. Well, who's right? God or us? Are we going to be allowing ourselves to let anxiousness and worry keep us from doing his work? I would hope that the answer would be no and that we trust in him. Number eight. God does not overload any day with trouble. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient 
for the day is its own trouble. That's actually kind of funny. Do we want to take some of the trouble that was in the past days or some of the trouble that might be in the present days and load it on this day? We do, but we shouldn't. And God's word says, don't. Because there will be trouble there. We're not immune from that trouble, but that will be enough. Just deal with today and how it comes about, and God will give us the strength to get through that day. See, I believe that a lack of trusting God is a lack of Him being Lord of our lives. And trusting in anyone or anything more than trusting in God is to have idols in our life. What might they be? Fill in the blank. It might be our spouse that we trust in to get us through life. It might be money. It might be our career. All of those things that back to what we were talking about that the world says is our God our false gods, and take us away from understanding that God is the one that really gives us the strength to understand and trust him because he is the faithful God. He will bring us through time of anxiety and worry. There's nothing to worry about. He's in control. Our future is secure. And thinking through those things and the life that Christ has called us to as disciples, as those that would follow after him, does that mean that we are immune from worry and trouble in our lives and bad things coming about? Absolutely not. But it does say that we should trust in him. But that trust shouldn't be something that we just think of like that song says, uh, don't worry, be happy. Because God wor- God's word also tells us how our life should be formed. And I think that there's three things that we have to really think about if we're honest about ourselves and trusting God. The first one is, I believe, believers are not exempt from earning their own living. God doesn't say, don't take, uh, don't take thought of what you'll have in this lifetime and just everything will happen and come about. No. He specifically says through his servant Paul, he that will not work, neither should he eat. He also said at creation, that in the garden, that you will tend the garden, you will perform work. Work is good. It leads to our life. It gives us the ability to sustain ourselves and our families. I also believe believers are not exempt from responsibility for others. In the midst of all of this that's happening in this world, we can think that as we as individuals, as Christians, yeah, I guess we have a responsibility to other Christians and help them along, but it goes much farther than that. We should be able to understand uh, that in all of the world, God calls us 
to look at others as our neighbor, no matter how far away they are or how close they are. Those that are in need should be helped by us. Even to the point of this physical thing called food and going hungry and going without the necessities of life. We should truly be concerned about that. I think John John Stott had a great idea when he said, it does not seem to me that there is a simple solution to this problem. This problem meaning those that do not have, whether it be food or personal possessions. But one important point should be made, namely that the most basic cause of hunger is not an inadequate divine provision, but an inadequate human distribution. We can give to others, my friends, and God commands it. And finally, believers are not exempt from experiencing trouble, worry, anxiety. Jesus forbids his people to worry, but to be free from worry and to be free from trouble are not the same thing. Yes, there will be troubles in this life, but that doesn't mean, mean that we have to resort to worry. It shows our lack of confidence and faith in God himself. My friends, as I think about the last days that I've had to come together and have this message speak to my own heart and the futility of worrying about what might be I say, Lord, I'm sorry that I didn't trust you. What I would like to have happen today is that when you think about Matthew 6, the end of that chapter, it's a ready reference. When you think about, I have anxiety and I have fear in my life, I have the unknown, I think I should go back and look again at God's word and find out what Jesus says about anxiety and how he says we should answer the questions of how important we are to him, the God God that watches over each detail of our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask again that if we truly understand the magnitude of, of your grace and your mercy and, and your power, that we see again that anxiety adds nothing to this life, but only takes away from the truth of who you are in our lives, Lord. Allow us, Lord, to quickly come before you, no matter what that task, no matter what that unknown is, whatever it is that truly causes us to have this anxious spirit that we surrender it to you and that we say, Lord, I trust in you for all that I am and all that I might be, that you would work through me to draw me closer to you and to understand that you have never left me. Only my heart has allowed me to doubt you. And I pray that that does not happen again. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.